Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. This week on Feels Like Healing, I have a very special guest, Mary Erskine, aka Me for Queen. Thanks for joining me. Multi-instrumentalist, singer, composer, songwriter. What else can I add into there, Mary? What have I forgotten? Theatre um, um, writer? Now, yeah, theatre writer. I can now lift 40 kilograms over my head. So Weight Weightlifter. Lifter, mother. Mother, yes, importantly. <laughs> uh, wife and wife. Uh, daughter. <laughs> Sister. <laughs> I'm so unprofessional. Anyway, a very talented person. Um, apart from the terrible introduction I've given you, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your creative life and what you've done so far? Because you're not just me for Queen, you've been in bands and stuff, so maybe a little backstory. Ah, okay. Well, a backstory. It all started when I was playing cello with Al Lewis <laughs> back in 2009. Um, some sort of cosmic twist meant that um, I was led to Sarah Howes and then to Al, so we were just kind of both in London at the time, weren't we, and Sarah. Um, and then since then, I've been working on, yeah, my own sing-songwriter stuff, which is Me For Queen. Um, I used to be in a band called Talking Colour, which is sort of bigger electronic stuff. And then in the last nearly 10 years now, um, I've been writing um, children's theatre, children's musical theatre, um, with a company called Goblin. Yeah, all sorts, really. It does take all sorts. And yeah, session stuff and other bits and pieces but that's it really is that enough of a catch-up that's a good a good summary of you as the creative person i think mm-hmm. um so this podcast feels like healing is about connections that we make as creative people between our grief and and what we spew out in our creative work and so my first question to my guests is like what was your first experience of grief that you put into put onto paper or put into song or what was that first moment that you Hmm. remember connecting your grief into something creative I think it would be probably on my very first EP um and I think there's something about these like big life moments um it quite often like brings about something that it just jumps out and it's quite sort of I don't know what you find but 
often you find a sort of clarity in that moment and it just sort of pops out and you're like, oh, right, okay, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, my uncle had a stroke in 2008. It was like the end of uni, that sort of hazy time we were having, fi like, finals, basically. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a very strange, very surreal few months where I was sort of, like, oscillating, like, between being at uni and finishing finishing finals and and that sort of euphoria basically and then I would get on the train go down and see um see Ted my uncle in hospital and it was just this and it was grief he didn't die he survived and he's you know he's made an inc incredible recovery but at the time it was it was pretty you know he'd had three strokes in a very short space of time um and so it was that real intensity of just you know and life so often gives you those massive contrasts and you just somehow sort of <laughs> you know try and gather yourself together and you put yourself you know get yourself ready for that situation and then you go back to you know and somehow you just uh, achieve that kind of yo-yo but but yeah so these hands was the first I think song that came out about a year after all of that um and were yeah. you consciously writing about your uncle did you realize that or was it a moment of hindsight and you were like oh I wrote that about him or did you feel like you were doing it as a catharsis of the of the experience I think um, that was obviously after I mean I used to that's the thing that's actually changed a lot for me recently in the last few years um, I used to write in that very sort of reflective state which I think and it did feel more distant because it was more distant so I would write it a year on and for some it was something like it was these hands it was something like on the edge like a line came out it's like I watched him lie on the edge that day on the edge of who knows where cause we watched him lie on the edge that day on the edge of who knows where over and under beyond and before all I know is we weren't there it's really funny I've not thought about this song for ages but it was about that really thin line between life and death basically like um and um and also when someone's you know in a coma you're just like what is going on there like what's mm. happening but when i actually came to sit down to write the song it, it was it was in hindsight more um and but so did you sit down to write a song about about him and that experience or did it just come out of you or were you wanting wanting to um find some sort of meaning out of that experience yeah I think I was wanting to kind of explore it I mean sometimes that's the thing I think the line came into my head and I sort of started singing it and I was like oh what's that about and then I was like oh, I know what that's about um and I think you just sort of follow the thread don't you, you sort of chase it down the rabbit hole being like oh where's this where's this taking me whereas more recently um I've tried to uh, you know whatever's going on to try and write and journal uh, while I'm still in the thing basically mm -hmm. which for us you know in the last year has been quite straightforward because there's been a lot going on so it's just been trying to like stay and sit in it and just write what's happening um, and that definitely feels like a, a huge catharsis um, probably much more than than when you write with that kind of distance um, and so yeah, yeah you say you're writing now um, in the moment it's 
has that been a conscious effort for you because you feel like that helps you process what's happening or is it just a compulsion you can't sort of help yourself almost so take one song for example that I've written in the last six months um, I mean the one that kind of comes to mind would be um, so we had this miscarriage in September and I just I knew I think when you're a writer you even when you're in the thing you can always you've always got that kind of person floating above your body looking down on it being like mm -hmm. you can help yourself by writing about this as in you you know that you can you might not be immediately yeah. ready to but particularly for this I because I've had so many friends go through it and it really felt like I need to write something about this and also for me I I, need, I couldn't think of ways to document it like I couldn't think of I, I didn't know how to talk about it I didn't know how to um, and I felt other people didn't really know how to talk yeah. about it and so it was a really s sort of satisfying is the word because yeah. it was like I know I need to write this um, and I literally sat down one day and I was I kind of was noodling something on the piano and then just this thread just sort of unspooled you know and that was it it was like and I kind of wrote down as much as I could think of in that moment and then I was like right I'm just gonna let it sit for a bit and then come back to it in 24 hours but yeah it was one of those again slightly weirdly magical like supernatural moments when you're like oh okay there's a thing that's being drawn out here and I'm just I just need to follow it see where it goes and that did feel probably one of the most cathartic you know I was like it's a song that I, f I felt I needed to write or needed to be written. It was there. And, and is, I, it, is it a yeah. song that is quite obvious to a listener? Have you, have you, have you made it an explicit song about miscarriage and, and the, that moment of loss? Or is it more open and opaque to, to interpretation? Or what was your thought process behind how you were going to shape mm. it? No, it's pretty. It's pretty clear. Um, I, again, I think that's something I've I've found. I have less time. Like I used to really favour the more kind of obscure, like opaque stuff. But um, but no, for this one, it was a line or two that came out of like a therapy session that I'd had, and I was like, oh, I really like. That's like an image that I find really useful, um, and. And that kind of set me off on it, but yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't think you could mistake it for being about anything else. Yeah, that's good because I don't. I, I'm tr I'm thinking now on top of my head whether I've heard a song about miscarriage by any artist I can think of, and but I, I can't think of many artists who've who've broached that subject. No, I I haven't. No, I haven't come across many or anything really. Because, like you said, there are so it happens to so many women, mm. and you, you you alluded to the fact you you'd um, found it difficult, and your friends had found it difficult. Had there been any conversations you'd had at all with family or friends about it, or was it it was it literally something that you could just perhaps talk to your partner about, and that was it? Yeah, I mean, I think my uh, main overarching thing which and I sort of touch on this in the song so there's a kind of um, what do you call it like a, a sort of contradiction at the middle of it where you don't 
you don't ultimately want to talk about it the whole time <laughs> but equally you don't not want to talk about it like you don't you don't want people to feel that they can't talk about it or that they also for me like it was such it's such a monumental thing to go through um it, it is like it is a trauma it's a huge thing and it's like and i i at one point had a real sense of rage when people didn't ask me um mm. and it completely unfat you to mean like it wasn't their fault and everyone's just doing their best but i was almost to a point of you know whether it was a family member or a friend or something i was like if i'd had a car accident as in i was on i was in a similar do you know what I mean I was in the hospital yeah. having a shit time losing so much blood and you know it's it's a huge thing to go through and I was like you would ask if I was okay if I'd had and, and that's it it's literally just like how are you doing <laughs> yeah. um whereas you feel this sense of and and obviously it's all coming from people trying to protect protect you and, and they you know they're not sure if you want to talk about it but ultimately I think what I'm trying to say with the song is that I just ask her how she feels. That's the kind of refrain. So she knows it's real. It's like I I can see what you've what happened to you and I'm sorry and that's yeah. it. Like it's really as simple as that. Um it's the silence and I know lots of people have said this to me since. It's the silence that um that brings about all sorts of other stuff like guilt and shame and all of yeah. that, you know, which is just not what anyone wants mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and and equally you know because it's such a like we're all British and quite polite and awkward you know yeah and I think people will be horrified to think that they've made you feel ashamed but that's just it's just what happens you know you feel a sense of awkwardness and so you pass that awkwardness and shame onto someone else and um, when they're already going through this thing so we fit we, yeah. we as a society are not very good are we that's what I've realized with opening up this kind of worms of grief and um mm -hmm. and looking at healing for me it's it's been a long journey of 15 years of bottling things up um since i lost my dad and mm. um never really wanting to open up for many of the reasons you talked about not wanting to um make f people feel awkward feeling guilty um for for feeling sad and not mm. wanting to impose that sadness on other people and yeah um i think like you said it just that perhaps that recognition of of i i see what you're going through and, I, and i'm sorry for that is is mm. that would be a huge step forward and i think hopefully now as a society we are becoming a bit more um empathetic to what is a good response and how silence can have such a detrimental effect can't it for both yeah. parties because the part the person who wants to give the support also i'm sure feels that silence is is a is not a satisfactory response for them either is it? no um, no exactly that that song now di am i right in saying did you perform it for the first time a couple of weeks ago mm, how yeah was, how how was that well, yeah, for all of those reasons that you were talking about, I was like, can I really play this song, like, in public? Is that is that kind of... Is it just going to be too much for people? Like, does any... Yeah. You know, because it's... <laughs> even when we were recording it and when I played it to people, they just sort of go into that, like, whoa. Um, but at the same time, I can feel there is a, there is a catharsis there. Like, I've played it to uh, a few friends and they were just like yeah i mean that that does what it says on the tin do you know what i mean like it it yeah. just it does the thing that you want it to 
yeah and and playing it live was a similar thing it was sort of were you nervous playing it live yeah yeah i was and i did give it a kind of uh warning because one thing that i've certainly experienced myself you know it's 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 not you have to give people the option if they're not in the right place to hear Mm. um that's interesting it it might not be good for them to hear i I would say you know because i i have certainly had like it's okay to not want to (laughs) to not want to listen to certain material or you know that's fine you're allowed to say that um it's another thing i got from my therapy you can choose whether it's the right the right time for you to to engage with with you know that kind of material but anyway once i'd got through all of that and i i kind of the preamble was generally you know this is this is a song that i felt i needed to write and so i'd like to play it with you because i feel like what it's meant to do is it's meant to kind of reach out and hold the hand of someone and maybe it might make make them feel less alone and that's ultimately yeah. all it's trying to do so yeah it was it was amazing it was amazing playing it for the first time and i think you know maybe i won't play it forever or maybe i will i just don't know um some of the songs on this album feel so bound to this year and it might be that in a few years i just don't feel like playing them anymore but i'm hoping that that one um that inside will be yeah it's just a nice way of inviting people in on not just your grief you know it's it's hopefully bigger than that um but yeah it was it was a good response I would say and it definitely encouraged me yeah has Um, it made you want to broach those subjects again or ultimately what I wanted for this song was it to be was it to be a document and it was part of the healing because the whole thing about miscarriage is it's in in so many ways it's intangible in my case it wasn't the hardest thing about miscarriage is that it's it's entirely unique. It affects, ev- it will affect no two people in the same way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And where you are in the process, you know, whether you're two, three, four, five, six, however many weeks. Yeah. Um, and it, it is intangible, but at the same time, it's not because it was, you know, for us, it was later on. And, you know, we'd sort of started making plans and, um, and so it's just how to say goodbye, you know, how to how to honour that, you know, yeah. how to... Because you almost feel a sense of guilt for trying to... Because we had so much else going on in our lives at the time. Um, and I was just trying to sort of um, con- just carry on, look after my yeah. child yeah. Um, and Dave. And, um, and it was just trying to find a way. And, and I f- honestly felt like grateful that I was able to have something like uh, writing and music as a kind of refuge to be like oh okay this is something like because I think my sister had suggested she was like you know do you want to do a kind of ceremony or something I was like no that doesn't really feel right you know I I think I think I'm okay but you know Mm. and I just feel yeah I feel really happy that I was able to that that song turned up at the right time and I was able Mm. to just grab it while it was there for the taking some songs are just like that they kind of present themselves to you and as long as you're just in the space and um willing to accept them um so yeah so for me it's it's been a real like literally a catharsis and i've got this thing now which which feels like it's a a document and a and a tribute maybe yeah i think that is a part of writing about the process isn't it it's like you say it's honoring the person you've lost Mm-hmm. And, and and putting a marker down that will be there forever. That's the beauty of, of songs, of art, isn't it? Hoping that people will 
look at it in years and and know that they were there and that they were loved and thought of. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there is nothing more universal than grief and death. Do you know what I mean? This, yeah. It's it's coming for all of us. Which is why it's important we talk about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Has it made yeah. you feel more willing to talk about miscarriage? Has it made you feel stronger in your ability to talk about miscarriage with, with other people now? Yeah, 100%. And and also, you know, I was kind of... I, I did a post on social media and, and loads of people replied and, and, and just putting it out there sometimes. Sometimes it's literally just putting out something into the universe and 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 stuff comes back and it kind of and yeah it just opens up a conversation it just means that you know so many people replied like sending me you know dms on instagram saying oh this happened to us as well and you know i'm so glad you're talking about it and um it's so basic isn't it? Do you know what I mean it's just mm. that it's it's so it's just that simple thing of i I can see it now. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's the thing of it being being visible. Like it's it's being able to see that pain that you've gone through. Most of the time, it will have been alone or hidden, you know, at home, and it's just seeing that that made visible just makes yeah. makes the whole thing better. And and I, the thing, the moment where it all clicked into place was the letter that I got from the lovely doctor who looked after me um, in September. Um, we got this letter a couple of months later, and it was just. It was so reassuring and so it was such a comfort to see, you know, someone in the medical profession. So she really like, you know, because doctors, they obviously they get it. <laughs> and and it was just it was just that simple thing of saying, like I said before, you know, that must have been awful, you know, from a doctor, from someone who understands like what that must have been like. Mm. Um, we're sorry that you had to that you had to go through that. And that's it. And you're like, oh. You've seen it. You've reflected it back at me. I feel better, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same with grief. I think you'll find when you, you know, sorry, with your with your album, like I think you will just you will find that those songs go out and they'll they'll live another life and they'll you know just once you put them out into the universe, it'll be. Again, there might be some that you don't feel as comfortable with or, you know, it's funny, like it just mm. sort of depends on the song, doesn't it, sometimes? I think that's sort of an extension of the healing process as well. You know, mm. it's not just the thing of recording the songs, it's just that you're you're living with them in that live space as well and you're seeing people respond to them. That's just all part of it, you know, from that, think of that thread, just like extending and extending, extending out and... and picking up new you know new resonances and new meanings for other people and they'll talk mm. to you about it and, and the sort of story just expands outwards doesn't it so mm. has your relationship now with creativity changed since since your experience since your miscarriages do you go to creativity for a different reason now or because you've you've ever since i've known you've been a very creative person has 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 your relationship with creativity changed? So another thing that I've learned this year is creativity can also be... It's a way of having a conversation with another person that you might not be able to have with the person that you live with. Um, 
in that moment. You know, I'd say we're, I'm fairly open and I can talk about lots of things. But when you're dealing with um, whether it's the immediate grief and you just don't feel you just yeah, you just can't get into it. It's hard. It's hard to express in the dailiness of it how to get into the conversation and also sometimes there's just things that actually aren't that useful you know it's just you've just got them in you've got these thoughts in your head and it doesn't always feel better talking about them maybe it does I don't know <laughs> and also I would say now I realize that creativity was another way of um filling the gaps in some way like having those conversations writing down those things that you actually weren't that straightforward to talk to the person that you live with and the person who's going, you know, who's going through something as well. It's a grief is very isolating. Um, and you can see in so many places, so many ways it, it does, it can drive people apart because it sends you down one way and it sends, and it almost certainly sends the other, you know, it's, it's, it's unlikely that you'll end up on the same path in terms of two brains working through a situation and, in their own way. So I found in that kind of time, whether it was the the fear and the sort of, with, you know, for us, the miscarriage too, there were things that I just didn't really want to talk about in the moment, you know, but there were still things that were happening in my, in my head. Um, and I think the journaling for me was really useful. It's a way of yeah, it's an outlet and it's just another way of having a conversation that you might not be able to have in real life quite yet. And it's not just been, it's not just been this last year, you know, like I was doing a, this this musical theatre like workshop where you, you sort of, you get set assignments and you give each other feedback on, on each other's work. And, and I started that just at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we did a couple of sessions in the room and then the whole thing moved over Zoom, onto Zoom. And it was amazing. It was just like that was just a lifeline, you know, just um, I've definitely realised in the last few years that I, yeah, I, I sort of rely on it more than I maybe realised or thought I did, yeah. And apart from music and and writing, what, where else do you go for, for healing and catharsis? I mean, there's making music, but then there's also listening to other people's music. Yeah, do you listen? Do you ever listen? Have you listened to music about grief and loss, or is it more just a general, a general appreciation of? Yeah, I don't know if I. I've definitely really been into the radio the last, like, just for the noise, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Yeah, I'm wondering. I don't think I look out for, yeah, I guess anyone, you know, depending on what what mood you're in. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've, what I've been listening on the spot. I can never think <laughs> of. <laughs> That's all right, Mary. We can edit it in. And sure. And yeah, just drop it in. Um, Max Richter, let's say. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I listen to everything and everything as, you know, very eclectic. And, um, yeah, I also found, I found poetry at moments was really useful. It just depends on the day. So yeah. do you think now with this song, 
I take it it's going to be on this album, this new album, mm-hmm. is it? And is that mm-hmm. album coming out later this year? Um, yes. Or next year, <laughs> depending on when this podcast goes out. <laughs> I think it will be out. Um, I'd like to have it out by the end of the year, but I'm not entirely sure. It might just be that I put some songs out and then, um, if not at the end of this year, early next year. Because um, I'm just wondering now about your attitudes towards grief and death in terms of your other line of creative work because you work a lot in children's theatre like you said and Mm -hmm. I'm now a dad and often thinking about how do I broach the subject of of death and grief with my children because they look at pictures on the mantelpiece of my dad of their granddad and Mm. and I find that really hard to articulate sometimes and to sort of um, describe in a fluffy nice way but mm. to a four year old but I wonder do you ever is that is death ever a subject that gets brought up or is that still a taboo in, in children's theatre or it's definitely not a taboo I mean I think what I love about children's theatre is that actually and I do think people any attempt to kind of the idea that you would dumb it down or water it down I think in some ways you can be almost more honest Um, not but there's a I think yeah I'm particularly interested in yeah in just an emotional honesty and a clarity Uh, yeah there's a show that we're working on at the moment which is nature led um, and obviously loss and I guess death come into that um but I'm trying to think of specific examples. I mean, Duncan was asking the other day, my son was asking, we were watching something. And he was just like, so where's where's the mum? And I was like, well, the mum's died, so she That's can't like come. That's like every Disney film, isn't it? <laughs> the mum's died. <laughs> every Disney film is so sad. Yeah, I know, I know. But I suppose, it was, it I suppose was up. The... That was it. It was up. We were watching oh, okay, up. Okay, yeah. Um, and I mean the first 10 minutes of that I remember even just watching it 10 years ago like without having had children or whatever but like that first that opening 10 minutes is like it's that beautiful montage and it like goes through the man's life and um, and it's kind of yeah and they meet and then they grow grow old together and then she dies and then he's left with this house which is you know he decides he wants to take off to Paradise Falls um, and yeah, Duncan just kept asking, but but where's where's his wife? <laughs> where's the lady? And I was like, ah, <laughs> because also I'm careful. Like I don't want to I don't want him to associate hospital with death. You know, because yeah, we've obviously yeah. we spend a lot of time going in and out of hospitals. So so we are trying to be a bit protective in terms of you know yeah. I don't want to bring about any more any more worry than a three year old you know uh, is already sort of experiencing albeit I'd say most of it would be subconscious but because she's in a hospital bed um at the end um so yeah so I just skirted around it I was like but I mean I I, my brother-in-law is very sort of cut and dried with this kind of stuff he's just like it's just nature you die and then you you get buried and you know it's that old thing with pets you know that's how that's how they learn about it and yeah it's true yeah I never thought about that, about being a, a useful 
a useful role for pets is to yeah. know, show, show the circle of life. But it's their first experience of death most of the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we live in the countryside and stuff gets killed all the time. <laughs> Cars. It's it's brutal, you know. It's like a dead yeah. whatever. Um, the cats are always killing birds, and you know. Yeah. Um, so we, we we do kind of talk about it a bit. Yeah, I mean, I really remember that. That's one of my earliest memories, and I think because I I I am slightly obsessed and terrified by death. Um, and I remember asking my mum over and over and over again, but what happens? What happens when you die? What happens when you die? Into that kind of like <laughs> horrible spiral. Um, and I'm just trying now as a parent to just take the fear out of it and to just yeah. talk about it kind of objectively and calmly. And But it's difficult because obviously at the same time, you're like, you're my child and I never want you to die. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's... Um, so it's sort of unbearable. Um, but yeah, Up, I would, uh, Up is a tough one to watch. Just, oh, it's just so much. It's the happy, sad yeah the, the sort of sweet inside out is a bit like know. that as well it's yeah. one where the emo- the emotions have got our little characters in her head and um and then her make-believe friend um sort of vanishes because she forgets about him yes and, uh, <gasps> oh my god i remember and he disappears i remember seeing yeah. my daughter watching that with a tear and she was like why are you crying dad i was like no i'm not crying i'm not crying <laughs> <laughs> no it's, uh, i need to go make a cup of tea <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. But that's fine. You know, you can sit and cry about the... Because it's very, very, very sad, that moment. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's like I said, in this show, there's a moment where one of the characters goes missing. And I think in just simple storytelling, it's like loss is so central to, you know, um, to life. And, And it's just... And that thing of you know you don't know what you've got what you've got until it's gone certainly I think would be yeah. the thing that we're going with 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 the environmental stuff. But um, so do you think do you see yourself um, tapping into loss and and grief in your creative work moving forward? You said you felt like maybe this that one song had um, crudely scratched that itch. If that's you know, hmm. a way of describing. That, that need to write about that moment but do you see yourself you mentioned that you know you'd, you'd found how creativity was a useful tool for you to decom- decompartmentalise mm. what you're going through so do you do you think you'll go back to creativity for that to pull that again yeah I mean I think I've no idea I sort of you know when you finish one album you're always like what on earth am I going to write next? Do you know what I mean? I haven't quite got to that point yet because it's all quite fresh. Um, But, um, you know, and I always like to think in sort of cycles, like whether it's a concept or... um, So I guess it's just waiting for that and then seeing what comes up, really. So sort of finishing off, but I like to accentuate not the positive, but the sort of that feeling of... Uh, resolution that we get from writing about it moving forward now do you see that resolution I mean that again it sounds weird to say (laughs) are you excited about releasing a song about miscarriage (laughs) but it's like having seen the response that it had live and Mm. the response that you've had from playing it to a few friends um, it's clear like you say that it, it will 
it will touch people in a, in a way that traditional pop songs about teenage love isn't aren't mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same is it and does that yeah. does that also give you a sense of comfort in knowing that and and uh, feeling that it was worth that writing it the process of writing it was worthwhile even yeah. if it was a painful thing to do yeah definitely i mean i think it's i feel yeah i feel hopeful that it will that it will land where it needs to um and yeah i think now it's just a question of that like the sort of admin side of my brain being like right how what is the best way of putting together this you know how do yeah. i present it and how, yeah start um, a podcast mary <laughs> <laughs> i'll get my whiteboard <laughs> um starts today um but yeah that's my main thing now just thinking about how i'm going to get it out there i feel excited and hopeful good (laughs) (laughs) thank you mary thank you for talking to me and for being open and honest about a very difficult subject i really appreciate it and um i'm sure that it will resonate with a lot of people and give a lot of people comfort so thank you yeah well likewise thank you for having me thanks mary and now the song inside by me for queen How to find the words To keep some part alive If I do not speak it It will eat me from inside Ask me how I feel
For more information about Mary's work, visit her website, meforqueen.com. You can also become a supporter on her Ko-fi page. Links are in the episode description to all the songs I used. Please make sure that you subscribe and rate this podcast as that will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.